doing? It is very, very good to be with you. Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Exodus 20, we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. If this is your first time with us this morning, thank you for, for being here. We are, are really, really glad you're here. Um, just welcome. Uh, we, we hope that you feel welcome. We hope that uh, the Lord has been gracious to you during our time together so far. Um, if, if you would, we have a Connect card attached to the bulletin, uh, and, and that just has uh, just some space to put some information about yourself and, and to share with us. There's a black box out on the Connect table or in this bucket right here. You can just toss that in there if you want to let us know anything about yourself or if you want to request information about Veritas. Uh, and there's also on there just a little space for you to write prayer requests. Uh, and we would count it an honor and a joy to be able to pray for you this week. Uh, we, we would love to pray for you, whatever it may be. We, we would love to pray for you this week. So please uh, make it a point to just write down a prayer request there and, and toss it in either the bucket or the black box on the, on the connect table. Uh, and we would count it a joy to, to be praying for you. Um, so this morning, our series in the Ten Commandments brings us to the very mysterious and uh, much debated topic, subject of the Sabbath. The Sabbath. So as we come to this subject, uh, I'm, I'm aware that we likely have a diversity of views on this subject here this morning. Uh, and there's a, an incredibly wide diversity of views in the wider church uh, in the world today on this subject. And so you might have come this morning just uh, not really sure what you're going to hear if you knew that we were going to be in the fourth commandment, or, or you might have come just not even aware that we were going to be looking at the fourth commandment, or you might have very strong opinions about this. You might not have any opinions whatsoever about this. Uh, it, but no matter how you come this morning, I, I just want to invite everyone to get into a posture of receiving. Uh, I, I believe that the Lord has a word for us this morning. I, I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us this morning. I, I believe that every Sunday, every time uh, we come and, and gather together as a church family, I believe that the Lord has something for us to receive from him. Uh, but sometimes we need to be a little more intentional about uh, just putting ourselves in a posture of receiving. Uh, and so that's what I want to encourage us to do. Uh, before we read the text, I, I just I want to encourage you uh, to get into a posture of receiving, really, literally like physically get into a posture of receiving. Uh, one of the things I like to do uh, sometimes before I read my Bible or, or, or uh, sometimes when I pray is I just put my hands out like this with my palms facing up uh, like, I, like I'm receiving a gift. And sometimes uh, when you get into like a physical external posture like that, it kind of helps you take the same posture internally, the same posture in your heart, right? Um, same, same with maybe getting on your knees, bowing before the Lord, or, or um, other things like that, putting up your hands, getting in, in, a, in a physical posture like that kind of helps you position yourself like that internally. So I just want to invite you, while we pray, if you want to put your hands out like this, like you're receiving a gift, and we're just going to ask the Lord to help us receive from him this morning. Father, we know that... Um, we can do nothing, we can have nothing unless we receive it from you first. And so would you help us this morning uh, as we're opening your word and, and looking at this kind of mysterious subject, would you help us to just put ourselves before you, to, to hold ourselves up before you and just receive from you. Lord, we, 
we are a mystery unto ourselves. We, we don't know what's going on inside of us. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't know um, what you're calling us to exactly right now. But we know that, that you know perfectly. You, you, there, there's nothing that is a mystery to you. Our, our, uh, our inner selves, our, our souls are not a mystery to you. And so would you just help us uh, to put ourselves before you as an offering and just say, Lord, we, we are yours. Uh, we have nothing to give, uh, but we just want to receive from you. Where we need you, uh, we can do nothing apart from you. Help us now uh, to feast on Jesus. Help us now uh, to meditate on him, to enjoy him, to delight in him, to see him a little more clearly this morning. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. If you want to stand with me out of respect for God's word, let's listen with reverence and awe. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. So in the short time that we've been able to uh, share life together as a church family, I've really, really enjoyed getting to know many of you and just uh, getting to, to see what your lives are like and, and learning more about uh, your vocation and what you do for a living and, and uh, love just seeing the, the, uh, the, the rhythms and rituals and routines that you have as, as individuals and married couples and families and, and just have really, really enjoyed that. And one of the things that I've, I've noticed through uh, this little exchange often that takes place when I first see uh, many of you, uh, I, I often ask, how are you doing? And the answer that I get many, much of the time reveals to me that many of you are busy. You're busy. Uh, I, when I first see someone, I usually ask questions like, how are you doing? How are things? Uh, how, how's it going? And a common answer I get is, I'm busy or we're in a busy season, or we've just been really busy. <laughs> Constantly, that's, I, I hear that over and over again. Uh, that's probably the most common answer I get to any question like that, just busy. And I'm not immune to this. I say it. I, I say it because it's true. I'm often busy, and you say it because it's just true. We're often busy. We're busy people. It's absolutely no secret that uh, Americans are more busy than ever. Uh, you know, in the 60s, the, the average work week uh, for Americans in the U.S. was about 40 hours a week. It was about 40 hours a week. And, and at that time, futurists uh, started projecting that by the mid-80s, the, the uh, normal uh, American work week would be about 28 hours a week. Uh, they saw the amount of inventions that were being used and the amount of new inventions that were coming out to, to save us time and energy, uh, and, and, and it made sense. Eventually, we would just have less to do, and so we would work less. Uh, you know, think about things like the microwave oven, the, the growth of the fast food industry, 
all of our groceries being in the same place rather than having a baker here and a butcher there and, and a market over here. Uh, and then not to mention, you know, things to come like emails and cell phones and, and, uh, and texting. These are all things, communications, grocery shopping, making food, driving faster cars. These are all things that are meant to save us time and, and energy and to serve to that end. But as you know, the American work week is not 28 hours a week currently. Uh, it's not even 40 hours a week. Actually, by the mid-80s, the average American work week went up to 55 hours a week, or 50 hours a week. And then uh, by the year 2013, the average American work week was about 60 hours a week. And so all, all these time-saving inventions, all they ended up doing was helping us pack more and more into the time that we spend at work. And, and now we're working more than ever. Now, this isn't a sermon against having a full work week. Uh, it, it, I, I think, actually, this, this text before us uh, this morning actually shows us that vocation is a gift from God. Vocation is a good gift from God and an important part of our imaging Him. Uh, but I also think what it's leading us to see is that God is calling us to something more than just busyness. God is, is calling us to something more than, than just being so exhausted because of this, this full workload that we had this last week and calling us to something more than just being so exhausted looking to the upcoming week and just being overwhelmed with all the things we have to do. Have you ever felt like that? Just being so overwhelmed with all the things that you have to do that you're just tired. I think probably most of us can identify with that. But I believe that we're called to something more than that. We're called to Sabbath rest. Now, that's more than a day off work every week, but it's certainly not less than that. And I would even argue that it includes that, but it's, it's definitely more than that. It's, it's more than, than just having a less busy schedule. It's also a call to have a less busy heart. And so Sabbath day, it, it, it's, it's not a means to that end, but it's also, it, it is a means of leading us to the one who gives us that. It, the, the Sabbath is not going to give you a restful heart, but it is a means of leading us to the one who will give us that. And so that's what we see here in the Sabbath command. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Uh, we see in this command that God, as our creator and redeemer, God commands his people to joyfully enter into his Sabbath rest. As our creator and redeemer, God commands his people to joyfully enter into his Sabbath rest. And so we'll walk through these three points to see that. Number one, the God of the Sabbath Number two, the command of the Sabbath. And number three, the joy of the Sabbath. So firstly, the God of the Sabbath. Now, in the fourth commandment here, we're told to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, to, to not do any work on this day. And God doesn't do this with every commandment, but with this one, he gives us the reason why. Uh, he, he reminds us of the creation narrative in Genesis 1 and 2. He commands his people to observe the Sabbath rest and, and then says, For in six days, so because of this, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so the reason given here for the fourth commandment is very simple. Uh, we're, we're called to labor and to Sabbath. We're called to work and to rest because our God is a creator God. Our, our creator God is one who works and rests. In Exodus 20 here, it, we, we see it echo and, and remind us of what Genesis 2, 1 to 3 says. Uh, Genesis, 1 to 2, uh, Genesis 2, 1 to 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested 
on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so just to to quickly steer clear of any misconceptions that we might have, uh, God does not rest in Genesis 2 because he's tired. Uh, God is is infinite in, in power, therefore he does not get tired. Uh, he, he does not grow faint. He doesn't get worn out after a heavy workload. He is a God who is always at work and always at rest. He is a God who, who is always at rest even when he's at work because for him, work is not difficult. Uh, it, work does not make him weary. And so if that's the case, then why, do, why does Genesis 2, 1 to 3, and why does Exodus 20, uh, verse 11 here, tell us that God rested? Well, it seems obvious to me that, that God rests here for our sake and not for his. He, he's establishing a pattern for us to follow because we're weak and limited creatures. He's, he's showing his children, look, this is how you do it. You work hard for six days. You get all your work done, and then one day a week you, you rest. It's, it's kind of like uh, teaching children. Um, you know, I... I I think one of the most effective ways to teach children, and really not just children, but anyone, adults too, is, is to model for them what you're calling them to. Uh, and so children, you know, they need to learn how to cook food and do the dishes. And so what do you do? You, you pull up a chair and, and say, stand on this and, and, and watch me and help me as I, as I, uh, as I do the dishes, as I, as I make this meal. Help me, watch me do this. And God is, is modeling for us here how we're to rest. He's saying, look, I've created you. I've made you. I, I know you better than you know yourself. I formed you for these rhythms of work and rest. You, you have these circadian rhythms just built in, these 24-hour periods where the seven of them in a week, and, and, and you work six of them, and, and one of them you rest. It's built into the fabric of creation. It's built into the fabric of, of who you are as a human being. You need to work, and you need to rest. And then he doesn't just tell us to do that. He also shows us how to do it well. But then also, God gives us another reason to practice this weekly Sabbath, not here in Exodus 20, but in Deuteronomy 5. In Deuteronomy 5, the the Ten Commandments are repeated again for the people of Israel. And all the commandments are pretty much identical, uh, including the fourth commandment here. But there's one slight difference. Uh, The the slight difference is with the, the fourth commandment here when God gives them the reason for practicing this weekly Sabbath. Uh, The reason that he gives them in Deuteronomy 5.15 is, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day holy. And so observe this, this weekly Sabbath because you were slaves in Egypt, but I have redeemed you. He's reminding them, you, you were slaves. You did not have rest. You were under a tyrant king, Pharaoh. But, but God redeemed and rescued Israel. Remember, you were, you were passive in this rescue. You didn't lift a finger, but I, with my mighty hand, my outstretched arm, lifted you up and brought you to myself. And now Yahweh is their king, but he's not a tyrant king that says work and work and work, work for me. He's a kind and gracious king who cares for his people and provides for them. And so he says to his people, therefore, rest. In in Egypt, they worked and worked seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year. They were a people identified by their work for the king, but now there are people identified by their king's work for them. So rest. 
And of course, we know that this redemption accomplished in Exodus by Yahweh is just a type of the even greater and more powerful redemption given to us in Jesus. He's accomplished a greater deliverance. He's accomplished a a greater exodus, not just bringing us out of Egypt and out of slavery to Pharaoh, but, but through his death and resurrection, he's redeeming us from sin and death. Because of Jesus, we we do not have to labor for our salvation, but we can rest in him and receive it from him. Jesus gives us a whole new meaning for the Sabbath here, a whole new definition of rest. That's what the Exodus story and the Sabbath command point us to. And so because of this, because God is creator, and because God is redeemer, he calls us to rest. Because God created humanity and and knows our weakness, He, he knows that we need rest, he gives us this command. And because Yahweh redeemed his people from a life of slavery to live under his sovereign care, we're given this command, the command of the Sabbath. Now, there are a a, a few imperatives or instructions in this command and and, uh, just kind of helps the Israelites know what to do, what they're called to on this day. And so we're just going to kind of walk through these. Firstly, there's the call to remember the Sabbath day. Remember it. Don't, don't, Don't forget it. Uh, now, this command to, to remember the Sabbath reminds us that uh, the, the, the first time the Israelites, this is not the first time the Israelites are, are hearing about the Sabbath. Uh, they, they, of course, saw this weekly rhythm of work and rest in the creation narrative, and then, and then also uh, later in, in Exodus 16, they're commanded to keep the Sabbath. They're, they're traveling through the desert in, in Exodus 16. They're, they're, this barren land, there's not much to eat. And, and so God starts sending manna, this kind of strange bread. Manna literally means what is it? It's just this strange bread and, and sends it down from heaven. And the Israelites are told to collect this manna six days a week. But on the sixth day, uh, God tells them, collect enough for the seventh day as well. Because on the seventh day, they're not to go out and collect any manna. They're told in Exodus 16, 23, that the seventh day is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And so they're, they're well familiar with the Sabbath. And then it's also worth noting that, that to remember is, is not just like an intellectual exercise. It's not just taking mental note of something. Uh, in Hebrew culture, uh, it, it's, it, uh, it, it, remembering in this sense involves your whole being. It, it, it means bring it to mind, but also take it to heart and, and, and put it into action. Um, th- just like, you know, if it was your birthday and, uh, and I remembered that it was your birthday, it would be of little consequence if I just took mental note of the fact that it was your birthday. It would be a little, little consequence. But if I remembered that it's your birthday and that led me to uh, call you and say happy birthday and, and led me to get this gift for you and wrap this gift and, and put it on your doorstep, then, then that would be uh, more so remembering in the sense of what we're seeing here. It's, it's remember it in a way uh, to, to obey it and, and put it into action. Remember in a way that leads you into action, leads you to practice the Sabbath. And then next, they're told to keep it holy. That is to, to keep it set apart, to keep it sacred, to consecrate this day. Don't, don't treat it as every other day of the week. The, the command to keep it holy is also, it, it's reinforced in verse 10, that the, the seventh day, uh, the Lord says, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And so, this tells us that the Sabbath, it, it's a little more than just like a weekly vacation. Uh, it's, it's a day uh, to the Lord. It's, it's, the purpose of it is worship. The purpose of it is to spend time with God. And then next, they're told, on it you shall not do any work. 
Uh, verse 10 continues to tell us that it's, it's, uh, it's getting at what the word Sabbath literally means. It means to cease, to rest after laboring. It means to, to take a break. And this means that the Sabbath is also a day for, for relaxation and, and recuperation and recovery. It's a day for, for leisure. And not just for certain people and not others, but everyone. Uh, at, at that time in surrounding cultures, you know, rest and, and leisure were for the wealthy and powerful. But here God says, no, rest is for everyone. That rest is, rest is for the, the rich and the poor. Rest is, is for uh, the, the powerful and the weak. Rest is for uh, the, uh, mo- moms and dads and sons and daughters and, and servants and immigrants and, and even your animals and livestock. Rest is for everyone. Rest is for everyone. Because all humanity is made in the image of our creating and redeeming God. So rest is for everyone. So that's the, the Sabbath command, and, and to remember it, to, to keep it holy, to not do any work. Now, there is a large question that kind of looms over this text. And that's how do we, as followers of Jesus, interact with this command? Uh, as we've done with, with every command so far, and as we'll do with all of the Ten Commandments, and, and every commandment in the Bible, really, I, I believe that every commandment we see in the Old and New Testaments, we're called to, to say, how does this come to me through Jesus? How do I interact with this command through Jesus? All law and all of Scripture, you want to ask, how do I uh, come to this command? How does this command come to me through Jesus? And so the answer for that uh, to, for the Sabbath question becomes a little more complicated than probably many of the other commands. Uh, many well-meaning and, and faithful Christians disagree about the relevance of the Sabbath for the follower of Jesus today. All, all Christians everywhere believe that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath command just as he fulfilled every command. Uh, but what does that look like specifically? Some of us believe uh, as Christians that the Sabbath command is still totally binding today. Uh, that, that the Sabbath now, because Jesus has come, it's changed from the seventh day to the first day of the week because he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. Uh, and, and they look at certain texts in the New Testament that talk about the Lord's Day and how Christians gathered on the first day of the week for worship and say, okay, the Sabbath is now on the first day of the week. They, they believe that the Sabbath, uh, you know, you're, you're only allowed to, to do works of necessity and works of mercy and works of worship and, and nothing else, though. Don't go to work. Don't, don't do anything uh, kind of ordinary. So these people are called Sabbatarians. I know that's a weird word, but they're called Sabbatarians. Uh, on the other hand, there, there's many, there are many uh, well-meaning, faithful Christians that believe that the Sabbath is no longer binding on followers of Jesus today. They believe it's no longer relevant. They would be non-Sabbatarians. Your name is not as cool. Uh, often... Often I, I hear people say things like, well, uh, Jesus uh, fulfilled the Sabbath, and, and everyone believes that, but I think what people often mean when they say that is Jesus abolished the Sabbath, that we're no longer meant to practice the Sabbath. And so they, they believe that no longer there's, there's no longer a day of the week that we're supposed to set aside for the purpose of rest and, and worship. Work seven days a week, uh, don't set aside a day for, for rest and time with God, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and then there's a whole host of views between these two views. Uh, I'll, I'll just share with you what I believe happened uh, to the Sabbath in the New Covenant, though. It, it seems to me that the principle of the Sabbath continues in the New Covenant because it's a principle that is established in creation. It's, it's established in the creation narrative. And so I believe that it's something that continues for all of time, uh, while, while also the, the particular day of the week is no longer binding. 
So that is to say, it's, it's still important for us to set aside a day of the week every week for the purpose of rest and spending time with God, but it could be any day of the week. It, it could be the seventh day. It could be Saturday. It could be the first day, Sunday. It could be Tuesday. It could be Friday. We, at the Green Household, we take uh, our weekly Sabbath on Friday. On that day, I, I don't do any work. You can email me, text me, Slack me, text anything about work, and I'm not going to answer on that day. Trust me, many have tried. Uh, and, and so I, I, I don't do any work on Fridays. And we're very intentional about setting aside that time for, for rest and, and spending time with God. And we do that because we believe that as we look at this command, it's given by our creator God who designed us for this rhythm of work and rest. And so he, 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 not, he, and he, he created us for this rhythm of, of work six days a week, rest one day of the week. And then he also redeemed us and he gives us the, the commandment to observe the Sabbath. He redeems us and gives us the Ten Commandments. And we believe that the, the Ten Commandments are, are permanent commandments. Uh, these are, are distinguished among all the rest of the 613 commandments in the Mosaic Covenant. These are distinguished because they're written in stone by the finger of God. They're spoken directly from the mouth of God, not through Moses as a mediator. The, these are permanent commandments that last for all of time. Um, and so the, these, these commandments are distinguished. We, we don't believe that the Ten Commandments, are, any of them are, are abolished, but these are, are significant forever. And so that's, that's why we practice a weekly Sabbath and, and why we give ourselves to, to that rest and that time with God. But I also know that some of you guys aren't there. And uh, that's okay. We, we don't have to agree on all of this. There's a great multitude of different beliefs that many well-meaning faithful Christians take, and they all write books and articles, and they give lectures, and they like to argue about this for a really long time. And, and you know, I, I think there's a time and a place for that. I, I have those books, I read them, I, I listen to those lectures, all of that. But, but I also, a lot of the time when I, when, I, uh, hear the, when I hear these arguments going on about the Sabbath, I'm just kind of like, you guys, can, you guys can discuss that, and I'm just going to be over here enjoying my Sabbath. Uh, like, some of, you, some of you guys know that I, I really love coffee. I do. I, I love coffee. I love just sitting down in the morning with a hot cup of brew and just sipping on it. And I love going down to, to my favorite coffee shop down here. I get some cold brew and just sit there and drink it. And, and, and it's amazing. And if you were to come up to me and start asking me, hey man, were those direct trade or fair trade or how, how, what's the water pH levels or uh, you know, what, what's the filtration process on that cold brew like? I'm just going to tell you to leave me alone for a few minutes while I enjoy my coffee. <laughs> like I, I know that, that those things are important uh, but there's also just a time and a place to just enjoy this. And I think that's what the, the point of the Sabbath is, to just enjoy life, to enjoy God, to enjoy creation, to, rejoy, to enjoy your redemption in Christ. That's the point of the Sabbath is joy. And so for some of you guys, if, if you're like a strict Sabbatarian, I, I would just ask you, like, are, are you enjoying your time every week? Are, are you actually enjoying Sabbath rest? Or on the Sabbath every week, are, are you uh, anxious about what's required? Are you anxious about what's permissible, what's not permissible on this day? Are you constantly questioning, is this, am I allowed to do this on, on the Sabbath? Am I allowed to, to give myself to this particular activity? Am I allowed to, to do these things on the Sabbath? I would just encourage you to rest, 
to rest in Christ, to take that day and enjoy Jesus, to look to Jesus, to enjoy him, to spend time with him, and to just rest and enjoy your Sabbath. And so a good way to kind of take your temperature in that regard is to simply ask, what does my weekly Sabbath look like? On that day, am I more concerned with following the rules for the Sabbath? On that day, am I constantly anxious about what's permissible and what's not permissible? Is that day marked by rule-keeping, or is that day marked by rest and joy? Am I just experiencing this, this, the, the appearance of rest because I'm not going into work, or am I actually enjoying true rest? And if that's you, I, I would just invite you to enjoy Sabbath rest. Jesus has done it all. You can rest in him. For some of you guys who are, who are non-Sabbatarians and you, you put up your dukes whenever you start talking about Sabbath to defend your Christian liberties, I just want to simply ask you why. What, why? 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 What's keeping you from observing a weekly Sabbath? Are, are, you, are you convinced from Scripture that it's not a necessity? If, that, if that's the case, that's, that's fine. We can talk about that. But I'd also ask you, if, if there's any possibility that you're not giving yourself to the practice of a weekly Sabbath because you're a slave to productivity, are, are you not giving yourself to the practice of, of rest and time with God because you, you think that you, you, you find your identity in what you produce with your hands? Are you finding your identity in what you do, what you produce with your hands? Are you a slave to productivity? Are you a slave to money and possessions? Are, are you working constantly to, to get stuff, to get money? Is that why you can't rest? Or, or, or are you a slave to what people think about you so that whenever your boss asks you, hey, can you do this, you can't say no. You, you, you're a slave to what he thinks or, or she thinks about you. Because honestly, when we look at this text, I'm not entirely certain why you wouldn't want to practice a weekly Sabbath. Like I, I, I come to this text and I think this looks more like permission to me to, to, to take time for rest and to spend time with God, to be intentional about spending time with God and resting. I just, I, I can't believe that that doesn't sound good to you. So are you just go, go, go all the time, working seven days a week, 52 weeks a year? If that's the case, then there's something wrong. That's not healthy. If you're just constantly working, there's something wrong. It's not good to constantly be doing and never just have space and time to just be. You need that, that time. It's not good to be constantly and perpetually busy. You need time for rest and time with God to remind you that you are not the work of your hands. You need time to rest to remind you you are not what you produce. You, you need some time to remember that you're a redeemed image bearer of the creating and redeeming God, who, and, and he gives you your identity. You don't get it. You don't earn it anywhere else. You receive it from him in Christ, and that you didn't lift a finger to achieve that for yourself. You receive your identity from him as a beloved son or daughter. And so right now, if you don't have a regular rhythm of rest scheduled into your life, I would just encourage you to, to try it. Just do it. I, I, I promise you, you will not be disappointed if you actually rest. It, it, you will not be disappointed if, if you're intentional, if, if you weekly take time and set it aside for rest and time with God. I promise you it will only benefit you. 
It will increase your joy and satisfaction in Christ if you do it right. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It doesn't have to be Saturday. It could be any day of the week. For, for me, I, I, I can't do Sundays. I'm in work mode on, on Sundays. But I would also encourage you that if you can, make it Sunday. Uh, because for, for many of us, though not all of us, Sunday is already a day that we have off work. It's a, it's a day also that we spend time with the church and in worship. And so you have your, your time with God already built into the day. But, but some of you guys, your, your job won't permit you to take a Sabbath day on Sunday. And so you might not get to pick what day of the week you, you have off for that. But just be intentional about setting aside a day every week for rest and time with God. The world will not fall apart if you take a day. The, 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 your, your life will not unravel. I promise you are not that important. You're, you're not the hero of this story. So enjoy, come and enjoy Sabbath rest in Christ. And if, I think if you actually start to practice it, you'll see it's not some sort of like unnecessary restriction. It's a gracious provision that God gives to his weak and dependent creatures and sons and daughters. So come and find the joy of Sabbath rest. We'll just close with, with the joy of Sabbath, and, and we'll just uh, we'll kind of walk through some practical bits here, of just things I've learned as, as we've tried to implement a, a weekly Sabbath day. So, firstly, you, you want to make time for, for bodily rest. You want to make time for, for body rest, meaning this, the Sabbath is a day, uh, if you're planning on implementing this, it's a day for, for rest, for bodily rest. And you might be wondering, what does that mean? I think that uh, I would ask in return, what does it mean for you? What, what does rest look like for you? What, what, does, what does rest look like? You know, one of the first questions I get when, when we talk about Sabbath is, is often like regarding what's permissible, what's not permissible on that day. Uh, there was a rabbi asked recently about whether loading the dishwasher was permissible on the Sabbath. And he said, it, it is if you just put them all out of order. But if you are intentional about putting them in, in order, then you've broken the Sabbath. Uh, and, and the same thing happened a lot of the time with the Pharisees. I mean, they, they, they had all sorts, hundreds of extra rules to go along with the Sabbath day, including ones like you can only walk a half a mile or less. That's called a, like a Sabbath's day journey. You can't walk more than a half a mile. And I just don't think that's what God's intention is for that day, for Sabbath. As, as Jesus said in, in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so it was made for our rest and enjoyment. So I think a good question to ask when you're considering whether or not you'll, you'll do something is, is this what rest looks like for me? Our, our family breaks that Sabbath journey day rule all the time because we like to go on hikes in the woods. We walk more than a half a mile all the time when we walk through the woods. We, we love to get out in nature and just enjoy God's creation, enjoy what he's made. That's what rest looks like for us. So what does rest look like for you? If, if maybe if you have a job where it's like fairly physical, you do physical labor, maybe it just looks like chilling and laying around the house all day. Or, or if you have a job where you sit behind a desk and a computer screen all day, maybe you need to get outside and, and take a walk and, and go hiking or something. Uh, it really just depends. What, what does rest look like for you? And it also looks different depending on the stage of life that you're in. Or if, if you're a college student, maybe reading like an intellectually taxing book is not very restful for you on Sabbath. And so don't do that. Uh, if you're an introvert, maybe you just shouldn't be around people on that day. If you're an extrovert, maybe schedule some time with people in your city group or an old friend. And now, uh, uh, another difficult piece would just be
fields are dry and the winter is long Blessed are the meek, the hungry, the poor When my soul is downcast and my voice has no song For mercy, for comfort, I wait on the Lord In the harvest feast or the fallow ground Certain hope is in Jesus found My lot, my cup, my portion sure Like a bird to the sky 